Hey friends, welcome back to the show, Field and Garden Podcast, and it is your friend and host, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and I really appreciate you being here, and uh, today's show is something that is so vivid in my memory that I just had to share about it, because this time of the year, we're hearing this from people, and I'm reading a lot about it on social media. It's about flat sales, so if you are struggling with that or, you know, want to learn more about perhaps some steps you can take to help avert that, then stay tuned. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to just thank the listeners. Y'all, we're on the verge of hitting a million downloads and you all are, that's because of you guys. And I just thank you so much for being a listener, for sharing our podcast with people, and also for posting reviews. And if you haven't done that, that's the number one thing you can do to help us. That helps us to reach more people. Our mission is to help flower farmers to get started or to become more efficient in their business, to build their business. Um, And reviews do that. That tells your podcast app that you listen to this on or YouTube um, that you like this podcast and they show it to more browsers. So I appreciate that. And if you want to learn more about the work that we're doing here at the Gardener's Workshop, um, head on over to thegardenersworkshop.com. You'll find our fully stocked online garden shop where we just offer the same tools, seeds, supplies, and of course my books. Um, The same stuff that I use here on my farm and how I do it. In our online courses, we have a full library, whether you're just getting started or you're expanding your business, or maybe you're a home gardener that just wants to dabble and start a little cutting garden in your backyard. But I'll warn you, beware, that's how it started for most of us that are commercial growers today. So friends, let's dive into the show for today. So, it's all about flat sales. July and August was always, um, back in my early days, those were the months that I had the biggest harvest, the most volume from my garden, but yet I would hit a wall on sales. So, first off, you need to know if you've never, you know, if you're new here, you may not know that I am a outdoor field flower farmer. Y'all can hear that Tucker's at my feet chewing on a hippopotamus, um, and he, of course, has to start squeaking at the minute I hit the play button. Um, So, I am 100% an outdoor garden grower. I'm basically, I have a little home garden that went on steroids and just got really giant, and so everything I do is out in the field. So, to get volume and to get Um, the most out of my outdoor growing season, I had to master selling flowers in July and August and selling a boatload of them, right? So that is what I want to talk about today is about we are, I see lots of people, you know, just distressing over it on social media we get emails um, into the office about people talking about, I've got more flowers than I've ever had, but 
I, I'm not selling my customers. I thought I had customers, but they're just kind of drying up, right? And I can so remember standing out in the field, cutting flowers in the heat, and you're already exhausted, right? Knowing that I was probably not going to sell the majority, the, the lion's share of those flowers, that they would in fact end up in the compost bin. And that was really depressing. And I mean, it would make me a crazy person. I mean, as you can imagine. And insult to injury, that would also lead me to do something that would mess me up for the next month, which I'm recording this in August. Um, so September is when things start happening again, right? September and October are like the second spring in the flower world. That's where people start partying again. They're home from vacation. They've kicked their kids to the curb for school or off to college, um, which is what they're all busy doing right now. They're vacationing. Um, so once that time is over, all of a sudden you're busy again. But guess what? You didn't harvest as you should have during July and August if you have crops that are going to keep going. And now you have no flowers or not enough flowers or poor quality flowers or whatever. I mean, Bobo and I just actually Bobo attacked some jobs this week on the farm, which we learned to do years ago because of exactly what I'm talking about. It's different for us today. You know, we're not, we don't sell flowers anymore. We use our flowers for education purposes, but that also leads us to not harvest our garden quite as hard as we did when we were selling everything. When we were selling everything, holy cow, if you were a stem in our garden and you were like on the verge of being ready or ready, you got cut. There was never any flowers left in our garden. And that leads to a garden that produces more. Well, when you're not selling, you kind of don't do that, most of us. Or like us now, we don't do it. So we stood out in the garden this week, and I said, we need to clean cut this crop and this crop because one of the things that I know in my in my garden here, um, interestingly enough, rabbit hole, um, the very first summer recipe is I call those succession plantings that we do throughout the summer. That very first planting ends up being one of the strongest long-haul producers on my farm. We Not every crop, not every flower, but many of those flowers are some of the strongest long-term producers when we treat them right. And so this week, Bobo and I stood at the head of the garden and I said, we need to clean cut, meaning get rid of all the old flowers, cut them deep and hard so we can get some good regrowth for September and October, the fall season, right? And so she did that. So that little rabbit hole is a reminder that even if you're not selling, perhaps, you still have a job to do. Sometimes it's not about that you're going to sell it all. You at least need to keep your cash-producing plants in tip-top shape so they'll be producing when business does return. But today is about how I overcame 
the July and August drop off in sales, right? Um, and so, what I guess what was really hard for me during that time is, you know, this is the time of year that farmers are so struggling. We're hot. We're exhausted. We're distressed. You put the, just those three things together, and it does not make for a brain that is actually actually functioning and working. I mean, you know, one of the things that I really love to hit home over and over and over again in flower farming school, which is so simple, y'all, but people miss it. I mean, I missed it for years, is that during this, you have to set your business up so that it can go on, that you create autopilot tools so when you are hot, exhausted, and overwhelmed, you don't have to think of it all because you've set up systems and processes that carry you through those times. And I did not, you know, during that July and August down, oh my goodness, downward spiral of sales, I mean, I was busy doing other things. I was obviously cutting flowers and trying to figure out how to sell them. But I got caught up in other things where something happened one day that just kind of flipped a switch for me. So um, to just describe, so my markets that I was selling in, when you were producing as many flowers as we were um, during those times, um, at this point in time in my um, career, we had my whole property had just grown from one and a quarter acres, which was my original property that included my home and buildings for the first decade of my business. Then we all of a sudden got access to purchase an adjoining acre and a half. How does that happen in the middle of the city, right? What a gift. I mean, we were so blessed for that to all happen. We ramped up our production and I just, um, you know, ran with that. So currently at that time, I was selling to florist, um, selling at farmer's markets, um, and dabbling in supermarkets. We had our bouquet drop-off service, and we had our members-only um, on-farm private market. Um, and we were selling a lot of flowers. But even the private on-farm market and farmer's markets, everything seems to kind of fall off during these months for those reasons that I previously mentioned, you know, right? That's the whole world slows down during those months. So I was still continuing, you know, we are still growing flowers. We're still selling some flowers, but we weren't selling enough flowers. So I can remember vividly one day I was um, standing in the back of one particular shop where I would deliver, and she was COD, um, just because of past behaviors. We won't say anything else. Um, so she always paid me each time when I came. And when I got there with her small order, I mean, her order was usually hovered at 100 bucks a week, which was really not enough. She, But she was right on the path. Literally, she was probably two blocks from another major customer. So she was more of a pit stop, right? So this one particular day um, when I came in the back door with her little order, um, I had to stand there and wait because she was on the phone. And it was a long-winded phone conversation. It was a customer. She was taking an order herself, I think. And so I stood there waiting with her flowers. 
And um, while I was standing there, the wholesaler showed up with her a delivery for her. And I can't quite remember what he said, said or did um, that created this conversation, that started this conversation when she hung up the phone. But what that conversation produced was that she shared, I said, so what's in the boxes? Or she was telling me, um, maybe it was how slow business was or whatever. You know, it was July or August, I can't remember which. And that led her to tell me what those stack of boxes were that that wholesaler had just brought in. And she said, those are my weekly standing order from them. And I said, you're what? And she said, oh yeah, I have a standing order. I give them a dollar amount. um, And they kind of just take it off the top of their weekly offering that they have. And, you know, there might be a couple of things that I say I don't want included in that. And so I never really know exactly what's coming, but I give them a dollar amount and it shows up. Those are the things that I use for my day-to-day orders. It's not like my special order event stuff, um, which, you know, if you haven't, don't already know this about me, I was never an event-focused farmer. I never wanted to see a Um, swatch of fabric for a color. I didn't want to talk about blush or pink. Um, I was never, that was never kind of my gift or niche, you might say. So she was saying, you know, she was like talking and it was like, holy cow, she's talking my language, right? I mean, she's talking about this, these boxes standing in front of me are the boxes that she uses every single day of her business life. That's me. That's what I want to be. So I said to her, how can I get your standing order business or at least some of it, right? And that just, not only did that change my business life because I had two or three other fairly large customers that I thought this now gave me a path to follow. It's like, all right, I need to, first off, be a professional. You know, friends, I think that's a really missing ingredient for so many people. Um, Being a pro isn't about knowing everything about flowers. It's about the way you present yourself. It's a level of confidence. It's a level of um, kind of knowing a little bit, faking it, to you making it right kind of stuff. Um, and so I thought to myself, all right, I've been selling to these people for, you know, I can't even remember, three to five years, maybe a little longer than that. And they know my stuff. They know I provide quality. How am I going to now, this is going to become my focus. So that opened my eyes, that that opportunity, first off, had always been right in front of me. I had just never noticed it in my craziness, in my, you know, whisking in and whisking out of these flower shops. Um, And it also helped me have a hook for supermarkets as I began to develop that market was 
to really create a business model that I was going to produce flowers that weren't the icing on their cake because that's what I kind of was at that point in time um, for most of my customers. Instead of them coming to me or ordering from me their core crops that they needed to 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 do their daily business, they were kind of like, oh, that look, that sounds pretty. I'll take some of those. Or do you know what I mean? You were kind of this add-on, and I'm thinking of one particular florist that I never got over the hump with them. Even when I moved away from selling to florists, I had given them up year. I gave them up as a customer years before I stopped because I could never get them to, to come over and to give me a stand in order. So some steps that I had to take to actually approach people and um, be able to meet them where they needed me to be. So some things that I did to make my business model fit the available sources of sales that I had available to me. And I think that's something that we all really need to think about is, you know, first off, stuff doesn't, obviously, how long did I sell to these floors before I figured this out? Stuff doesn't hit you between the eyes until you take a breath, step back, and consider it. And I want to, I'm just going to pin that for a minute because I want to say that another thing that as you're doing this, generosity has always been a model for me in my life, in my business, with my family, um, with those people around me. Um, And right now, when you have volumes of flowers that you're not selling is the time that you repeatedly hit those outlets that you think have potential to become a better or to come become a customer, or to become a different customer to you. I'm not saying you go into a florist and take them four buckets of flowers, but if you showed up every other week with one bunch of five different gorgeous bunches of flowers to say, hey, just reminding you, this is what we're doing now. You know, you're not supplying them with flowers to use in their business. You're trying to think about dating, how that process goes. That's what you need to think about. And right now, if you're not selling flowers, might be the time to actually do that. And the other part of that, if you're selling to florists, they might not be so busy right now that they can't take a moment if you cold called them at the right time, right? So back to the things that I thought of as I was doing this. So you, I had to see, okay, how can I make this um, process possible? The first thing we have to do is to think about how to make it easier for customers to buy from us. I will tell you that I recently had an experience to buy flowers, and it was not an easy process. I'm actually from three different outlets, and none of them were really quick and easy. Think about how quick and easy it is to buy from the elephant retailer that we all know who I'm talking about. Think about that process for a minute. That trains the world how quick and easy it needs to be. No, I don't think you can make it that quick and easy because I can't even do that on my own website. And I have code writers. (laughs) But that's what your bar should be set at. 
you have got to figure out how easy it is for them to see what you got and how they can get it and pay for it. And the other thing is, is how your product solves problems for them. And we do that through our quality of our product, how long it lasts, properly conditioned, properly um, harvested. I am still amazed, y'all. I see so many old flowers every single day on social media. Tons of old flowers. Old flowers in that they're at the stage that they're being sold to different types of customers, and they're past the point of where they need to be. You have got to learn the proper stage to harvest and the conditioning steps because when your flowers last longer, that makes them more of a value to your customer. Another rabbit hole, pin it for a minute. So one of my biggest customers for like 15 years was Colonial Williamsburg. Um, Colonial Williamsburg, if you're not familiar, is a huge um, destination place. You know, it's where the world started, right? And they have a huge, I'm going to guess, thousand acres, more than that, of um, places, you know, the inn, all these restaurants, all these houses back from colonial times that they maintain for, for visitors, you know, tourists to come to, right? Well, part of that is they maintain these amazing flower arrangements. And so what that did for me is I was now all of a sudden selling tons of flowers to this place that isn't selling those flowers so they don't see how they last. They're maintaining flower arrangements. And because I'm kind of a crazy rule follower, you know, I've been a huge flower conditioning and stage to harvest nut from the very beginning. It paid off in spades because guess what? My flowers didn't have to necessarily be replaced every week. They could pull out something here and something there and put in something fresh. And they quickly learned what a value, in addition to the varieties that I offered, were unprecedented to what they had any option to get. So that's how. So my flowers, even though they were not less than any wholesaler's flowers, they were very, all of a sudden my pricing became um, a better value for them because the flowers lasted longer. Then we had um, how to do that and to do it scalable. And, you know, that became my focus. Y'all, when I flipped this switch in my business life, I took those steps to observe, to learn, to then figure it out, to be a professional, to make it easier for my customers, and to just make it such a great value and to do it in a way that I could scale it so I could make it viable for me to do it and to have help to pay them a living wage. All of that rolled up together. I created a business model that still allowed me to sell because guess what? During those flat sales times, they kept up. Maybe they scaled back their stand in order a little bit, perhaps, but guess what? They scaled back their other standing orders with wholesalers. They're still getting wholesale flowers, y'all. I'm just a small portion of what they use. They scaled theirs back because of our, our um, relationship, the quality of my flowers. They knew that I needed to sell those flowers. 
Flat sales can lead to some of the most um, usable time that you have to build your business. And use this time to do some observation, do a little stalking is what we call it today. Go into those shops, go into places where you really think, stand in the grocery store, watch people that pick up flowers, you know? So, friends, that's all I got for you today. I hope this helps. Remember, you can learn more about me, the work I'm doing, or about Flower Farming School, um, my course over at thegardenersworkshop.com. And thanks for dropping in. Until we meet again, folks. Ciao.